Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, guys. Today I get to interview Darren De Silva, someone who's in my local market, which is so fun because we're usually interviewing people across the country. But today we get to interview a man who was thirty under thirty NARs, thirty under thirty, which is amazing. I didn't, I didn't do that, so I'm super glad to be interviewing you on that. I know you had a journey from being homeless to obviously being a rock star, and now you're building a team in this really weird uh, real estate environment. So we'll get into that, Darren. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Take us into it. I mean, let's let's start from being homeless. I mean, where else should we start? Uh, so take us into what was it like being homeless? What got you there? What got you out of it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Let's start from the bottom, right? You know, yep. thank you for having me on, man. Um, you know, really, yep. my goal today is I hope I can share something that maybe somebody will hear um, that may be going through a difficult time in their life. Um, and, and hopefully my experience can help give them some hope, you know, that, that you know, if you surround yourself with the right people, um you can do anything you set your mind to, you know, but it, you can't do it alone. And that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned. Um, so to, for me, right. So for me, going back to, um, you know, how I, I became homeless. Well, um, I, I, I grew up in Pleasanton in Tri-Valley area pretty much my entire life. And then um, as a kid, I got, I got sent to a, a wilderness camp at, at 15 years old. I was a real rebellious teenager and I was out there for two months in the wilderness, um, up in Oregon, um, near Bend, Oregon and, um, in the desert, which I didn't even know there was a desert in Oregon. You know, I, I had assumed desert was like dry sand, not like, you know, knee deep snow and you know, that kind of thing. So, um, that was kind of like my first experience of, of where, Darren doing what Darren wanted to do, where, where it got him, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so I was there for two months. It was like a native American based program. And, you know, I hiked over like a hundred miles with 60 pounds on my back and we made fire with sticks and huge experience. Right. And I could go into depth about it, but, um, you know, I, I went from there, um, to Newman, California. So after I completed that after two months, um, I went and stayed in Newman, California with my, my mother. Um, fast forward, you know, a few years, I, I, um, I was about 20 years old and, and my father passed away. He, he passed away from cirrhosis of the liver. Um, if you've seen anyone like that, I mean, it, this big, strong guy that I looked up to my entire life, you know, my father, um, he, he looked like a robber. You know, he was just skin and bone and just pale yellow. And it was really hard to, to see that, you know, happen. But, you know, he was a bad alcoholic and um, he had been in the hospital multiple times. And the doctors would tell him, if you drink again, you're going to die. You drink again. And, you know, he would go for like a year, stop, go back, stop. And then the third time it was that was it. His body just shut down. And, um, and so that hit me, you know, at 20 years old and it, it caused me to just kind of go in a downward spiral, you know, um, I, I dealt with a lot of demons and addictions and things like that. Um, that caused me, I mean, what better excuse, right. You know, like, um, so it was just, it, it, it you know, the devil wasn't doing me any favors. And, um, so I isolated myself, um, uh, with my mother um, in this house in Newman that we had. And, 
And we actually, she had, she had, um, she had gotten a settlement a few years back for an injury that she got and she paid cash for this house that we had. So when my dad passed away, money was tight. Um, she spent all of her, her money. Um, she got like a million dollar settlement and probably spent it within three years. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, just giving back, wanting to, to please everybody, you know, she's a giver. Um, but ultimately, you know, it just hurt herself. And so from there, we sold the house that was paid off in hopes to buy a new one, just get out of Newman. And we decided to stay in a hotel until we found a house. Well, one hotel led to another hotel and another hotel. And, and my mother and I, you know, we, we had a very codependent relationship and, um, eventually the money ended up running out after a couple years of hotel hopping. And we went from, we stayed in, in Tracy. Then we, we went to, um, Sonora, um, up from Sonora to Turlock, Turlock to Modesto, Modesto, and just all the way down. And, um, and we ended up at the, the Wesley truck stop. Um, and we stayed there in my car for about a month till they kicked us out. Mind you, we're getting kicked out of hotels. Like you're both, and you're both staying in the same car. We're both staying in the same car. Yeah. And I had a, I had a two door Cobalt. I think it was like a 2006 Cobalt SS with the fin. And that car was paid off too. And we're both sleeping in that car with the seat kind of just backward. Um, and that's, and that's what we did. You know, we had blankets, we put them on the windows and, you know, to block out, you know, people seeing in. And, um, we did that for, for about a month at the trust at the Wesley truck stop. Then from once we got kicked out of there, um, we went to, um, we drove to Tracy. Um, and then when we went to, to Tracy, um, we went to the Walmart parking lot. And so my, the money had run out at this point. And so my, my mom was getting SSI. I'm not getting a job. You know, I'm, I'm irresponsible. I'm, I, I had a very different upbringing, you know? Um, I know my mom did the best she could, but, um, I never really, I never really had to work for things, you know, they were typically like kind of given to me. And that didn't help me later on in life, you know, for sure. Um, and so we ended up in the Walmart parking lot in Tracy. And from there, um, my, we had this like little thing where she would go into Walmart. She would take, um, she would take little makeups and stuff like that. Um, it's probably why, you know, they have everything like fenced off now. It's probably because of her. Um, but she, she would go in, she'd take it and come out of Walmart and then I would take it and I'd go return it without a receipt because they would allow you to return the things three times with per ID that you had without a receipt. Um, and that's how we get money to eat. You know, she'd still like a hundred dollars worth of stuff. And, you know, we would do that several times. And from there we would, we would, uh, we would have enough money to go to Costco, which is right next, next to Walmart and Tracy. And, um, and I had a Costco card, fortunately, it wasn't valid for like six, seven years, but you could go through the food court and you could get like a huge meal for like a dollar 50. Right. You know, so that was like our thing. We do that. And we did that for a couple months until, um, 
her SSI check like came in, she was dealing with some, some stuff and, and issues on why the money wouldn't come in. And then we were able to finally get into a hotel, um, which is when we ended up at the motel six and Tracy. And so we ended up at the motel six and Tracy and, um, I had gotten a title loan against my car. My car was paid off and I had gotten a title loan on it. And, um, and obviously I, I, you know, the responsible guy that I am, you know, made the payments. Right. So I ended up, um, I ended up, we ended up parking and checking in motel six and two days later, um, I hear a car alarm going off in the morning. It's like nine o'clock. It sounds like my car alarm. And, um, basically I see my car going off on, um, on a tow truck and it was gone. And come to find out there was like there, we were a part of this like red flag system where people were like looking for the car. Um, and the second we checked into the hotel, this like private investigator found us, I guess from the collection company or something like that. And boom, there goes my car. So that's how I ended up in Tracy is I got stuck there and I still live here today, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> and I mean, literally there's no car. Yeah. No car. No, nothing. Um, everything that we had was pretty much in that car, and um, and everything else we had was in the hotel. And so, yeah. So that's that's how you know I ended up with nothing, but it didn't stop there. So, with our track record of getting kicked out of hotels, you know, um, that's what happened. Is we ended up getting kicked out of Motel Six. And we tried to go to other hotels and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us in because they had some like red flag system or whatever. And we didn't even have money to get in regardless. So we officially were both homeless. And so we walked behind CVS. What's that? And Carlos. Carlos, homeless, everything. No money, everything that we own just, just on our backs. And we walked um, behind CVS in Tracy. So you got like off Tracy Boulevard, like in and out CVS. And we had to find somewhere to like sleep. So we walk behind CVS and they're in the Bay, um, or the depot back there. Um, we, we just slept back there for a couple of days until my mom had said, Hey, I'm going to go get my prescription. I'm going to go to the doctor. And I'm like, great. Like you couldn't go any sooner. Right. <laughs> like, um, and so she left and I didn't hear from her all day and then 24 hours goes by and I'm freaking out. And so I go to the payphone, the only payphone in like existence at the time, I think, which was at the R the AMPM right there. And I dial collect and she doesn't pick up. She doesn't pick up. So I'm freaking out. I thought the worst happened to her. And so I call my grandparents my grandparents answer and they say, Darren, your mom doesn't want anything to do with you. She left because she's just done. Um, you know, we're done with you. You burned all your bridges with us. The family's done with you. You know, go to Salvation Army or something. Figure it out because we're not going to save you. And then click. And my nanny's like an angel, right? She's like she's like right up there with like Mother Mary, you know. And And for her to say that. You know, was very difficult, and I remember walking away from that um, conversation, and 
just like, just like I just got punched in the gut, you know, like, and, and having to accept the fact that no one's going to save me out of this one. Like, like people have my entire life and it, 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 it like I was always getting saved. And this was the first time where it was like, no, everyone is done. So figure it out. So I remember walking back to CVS, just really like hopeless. And, um, and I had to find, I had to find somewhere to, to sleep. So I remember finding a big cardboard box, like a big refrigerator box. And I set it down and I slept in it. And that's where I stayed. I stayed in there for, for about a week because they're pretty brittle, <laughs> you know, yeah. good foundation. But, um, but it was raining. It, I remember the first, the first night it was raining. I had the flu. I'm, ex, I'm trying to accept what everything. Do you What's remember that? what month of the year was this? This was December, 2015 or sorry, December, 2014. Oh, it's, it's, 30, 40, maybe 50 degrees, depending on the day, raining. Yeah, yeah it was wow. cold. It was cold. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the one thing I remember about that time is how cold it really was. Like, it was like, it was like needles, like needles in your arm, like, like cold. Um, so, um, fortunately I had, a, I had a blanket and stuff, um, that I found somewhere, you know, you just find things when you're homeless, you know? And, um, and I remember after 24 hours, I was so thirsty and I'm, I'm just like, okay, I need to get up. Like, I did not want to get up. I was feeling sick. I'm hopeless. Like, so I remember getting up and I walked over to in and out because I, I'm like, I need to drink something, you know, I need some water. And I remember walking up to in and out and, you know, looking through the, the windows right there and just, you know, you see all the people. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, everybody's going to be looking at me. Like, who's this, you know, dirty, you know, yeah. homeless guy, you know, walking through. Like, whether they thought that or not, I don't know. But in my mind, that's, that's what I thought of myself, you know. And so I just remember how I, I walked in and how demoralizing it was. I, I walked straight into the bathroom. I didn't even want to go. I didn't even think they'd give me a cup of ice water, right? I just walked to the bathroom and I remember looking to the door, hoping that nobody was going to walk in. And I just stuck my head under the faucet and just started drinking. And it was just so demoralizing, you know, hoping that nobody would see me doing this. And so I walked out. You know, and then I walked out of in and out and I walked back to the box and as I'm walking, you know, I'm, I'm just, I remember thinking to myself, you know, the freeway's right there. And I just remember being so hopeless, just thinking to myself, you know, is this, it, is this even worth it? Like, would it be better to just go and, you know, end it all and just go walk onto the freeway? You know, would it, would it be better to just, to just not have to, to deal with this anymore? And, um, 
and and it, they were it was serious thoughts like really caught like for for hours contemplating this like just sitting there you know and um that was a really hard time obviously i'm i'm here <laughs> so anyway, but but um just being in that dark place you know of no hope like that's what i don't wish for anybody and so yeah. i walked back and um and a couple of days later, like I'm walking again and I found this cardboard sign on the ground. And I remember seeing people like hold these signs on the corner getting money. And it's like one guy, he had like no legs and he was holding the sign. This dude would like make like 250 bucks in, in like a couple hours. I mean, so I was like, okay, I need to get on that. So I found the sign and um, it, it said, I'm actually looking at the sign right now. I have it in front of me in my office. Um, this is a reminder every day. And and it says, homeless, I'm just hungry. Please, if you can, thanks. And um, and I remember when I went to the corner of McDonald's, um, it, was, it was like, I was like trying to psych myself up to, to actually go and stand on the corner. And as I'm going as I'm going through in my mind, I just remember like setting my backpack down and walking up to the, 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 the pole and going from having the sign down to actually holding it like this. And I just remember how demoralizing that was. Like I was, I, I just felt like I was worthless, you know, and, but I needed, I needed money. I didn't know what to do. I needed to eat. Um, so I just, I had to do it. I was going through too much pain. And so, you know, after a little while, people started giving me some food, some money. And I'm like, all right, this shit works, you know? And, uh, and so I did that and that's what I did every single day. And, and, um, once I, once I, the box situation, you know, I stopped, um, living over there. I moved to the side of the freeway. Um, where I actually came across like this, these igloos, it was kind of cool. It was like trash bags that were under a tree and it was like rainproof. And I walked in and there were two mattresses there and it was like somebody had lived there, but I didn't see anybody. Um, and it didn't look like anybody was coming back. So I just like took over and now I had this badass, you know, trash bag igloo hidden on the side of the freeway where nobody can see. Um, and it was like, perfect. I was like, man, all right, things are looking up. You know, so I did that. I had a mattress, you know, I had the upgrade, would go hold my sign. And I would just do that every day until um, one day um, I'm holding a sign in the corner. And after I'm done, I'm on my way to the liquor store. And, um, and I get called over. And a man calls me over and is in the Burger King parking lot. And he just starts talking to me. You know, I was young. I was like 23 years old at the time. Um, and he just wanted to know my story. Like, he just wanted to talk to me. He just wanted to get to know, like, what's going on? You know, how you how are you doing? You know, how'd you end up here? And we talked for like an hour. And um, then he, you know, at the end, he was like, you know, could I take a picture of you? And I'm like, sure. You know, and even though I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Right? <laughs> but, but I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you know, and, and he got the picture. I'm glad he did because 
I have that picture still today. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it right underneath my sign. Um, and it's in with the Burger King in the background. Um, so I can always go back to that moment, you know? Um, and it's so funny too, because like, I was just thinking about this the other day, like that was my territory. If you're familiar with Tracy, there's Clover road right there. Like I I'm selling a piece of vacant land literally right where I used to be homeless. And I have a freaking billboard right there. (laughs) It's incredible. You know? And, and so I was just, you know, the other day I got really emotional about that because I'm like, man, you know, just a few years ago, I was literally holding a sign in this corner. And now I have a freaking billboard, you know? <laughs> um, and it's, and it's just like, um, it's incredible, you know, but, um, so this man, he, he, you know, talked to me and then we parted ways and then, uh, another day went by and I'm walking and he sees me walking and he pulls over and he says, Darren, hop in, you know, let me take you to get something to eat. And he did. And, um, from there, um, I hopped in and I, I had the decision to keep doing what I was doing or hop in with this guy. And I did. And I hopped in and, um, and fortunately I did because he got me into a, a men's, um, living house, a men's home called Emerson house and Tracy. Um, this man didn't give me $1, you know, he bought me like, you know, he bought me some food and stuff like that. But he never gave me one dollar. He never gave me any money. And so when I got into this men's house, my grandparents kind of came back in, um, knowing that I'm on the right path again. They paid for my first two months there, which was like four hundred dollars um, each month, and and I paid them back the third month. But since then, I've never borrowed a, a cent from anyone mm. since that. You know, and, and so I'm really grateful for that. Going from having zero to to um, being able to say that, you know, I've never had to ask anybody for money. Um, yeah. You know, and so um, that men's house, though, it 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 was really it was a really important part of my life because what it did is it taught me structure, and and I mean as structure as little as like start your day with a win, make your bed, right? Like just that alone, just get up, make your bed. You know, I was a new guy. They gave me the crappiest job of cleaning the freaking bathrooms, right? With a bunch of dudes, right? But you know what? At first I thought it sucked, but eventually I learned to love it because it gave me purpose and it gave me, being there gave me hope. I didn't care you know, just from where I was to, to being there and people needing me, me having a job, you know, having food, like I was so grateful to be there, you know? And so I continued to do that. And, um, my first job, um, at least there, I had jobs before that, at least jobs I never kept. <laughs> like I right. worked at universal studios. I lived in West Hollywood for a couple years and, um, lit, there's a lot of prior things, right? You know, it's hard to compact into an hour, but, um, um, it was a, it was, um, my first job and it was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door and dude, like you want to get like, yeah, it was, it was, they would drop us off in like East Oakland and, you know, uh, bad parts of Antioch and, you know, Hayward and, 
you know, just here you go. You know, we're in a white van, white blacked out van. They drop you off and you go knock on doors and, you know, you, you pitch people to let them, um, let, let you come back, you know, clean a room for free. And then you try to sell them a $3,500 vacuum, you know? Um, so it teaches you a lot of skills, you know, a lot of sales skills. And so, um, and I was 260 pounds at the time too, you know? So I'm like doing vac. I'm like vacuuming people. I'm like sweating over people's carpets. I think they just bought the vacuums just like, cause they were like, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that led into me getting into the car business for five years. Um, and, um, I did very well at that. And from the car business, um, I moved up the ladder. I, I became a manager. Um, and then um, I, I just found that, you know, if I could work this hard for somebody else, like imagine what I could make working this hard if I worked for me, you know, and what, what occupation could I go in that doesn't require, you know, a master's degree and, you know, all this debt and education in order for me to, to, to build a life that I, that I want, you know, build a life that I feel like I'm meant for, you know? Um, and so I picked real estate <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so that was, um, that was January 1st, 2020 when I just like burned the boats and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go full-time real estate. I saved up like 15 grand and I was like, I'm quitting. I was making, you know, a hundred grand, um, a year, hundred grand, 120 a year in the car business. And, and I decided to just cut it off January 1st, burn the boats. I'm going. And, um, and I'm glad I did because I believe with just 100% certainty that I was going to make this work. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And, so, and the main reason for real estate was was the freedom. Yeah, yeah, the freedom. The freedom was huge. I mean, just to be able to, you know, 
dictate my my own schedule and like i work way more than i ever worked before you know so that's what i think people get mixed up with freedom like it's not like yeah you get to work less no it's like hey if i gotta go to the doctor or i gotta you know maybe i i gotta i want to go out with some friends or whatever i can i can i have the freedom to move my schedule around right yep but that doesn't mean that i'm working less and it must it in fact it usually means that i'm moving that to another time and then tomorrow the day is just going to be longer. <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into real estate, you know, just the, you know, my story and, and, and background and, you know, trying to pack it all in there as, as best I can. <laughs> yeah. And you, um, didn't have much of a work ethic when you were younger because things were done for you. Things were being, you were being saved, where did the work ethic get developed? I mean, I know hard times can lend you to like, well, I want to do this because it's better, but, but I'm sure there was like some difficulty in building a work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And I think for me, um, that men's house is what helped do it because I remember, I remember how difficult it was at first, like just doing the, the, the chores they wanted me to do and doing, you know, just all the small tedious things. Um, but at some point in time, you know, and this, this, this man and, and these people have really helped me. Like I didn't do any of this on my own. Like I'd be venting to them all the time, you know, about this stuff. And they would, they would snap me out of it real quick, you know? Um, and I respected these people enough to where, you know what, I'm just going to follow what they're suggesting because my thinking got me in the box, you know, mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> you know, right. More box. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and so that's ultimately, I think what started, you know, Kirby also, I think jump started it too, <laughs> you know, just grinding. And I think just, um, once I got a taste of, of sales and, you know, the ability to not be told like you're worth this much per hour, um, you know, yeah. You, you, you're worth whatever you put into it, you know, however much time and, and work ethic you put into something that's going to dictate your paycheck. And once I, I think made that correlation with the amount of work and energy and effort I put into this, that's what I'll get out of it. I think that's when I started to have the drive, you know, yeah. uh, because Love it's, it. my, it's, 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 it's up to me. It's not up to anybody else, right? Like if I don't get results, it's because of me. It's not the market. It's not the leads. It's not, it's me. What am I, what am I doing and what can I do differently? And I've always been like that, you know? Um, And then you hit the ground in 2020 running. My goodness. I mean, you were 30 under 30. Can you give a basic idea of how much production you had to do in order to be 30 under 30? Yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of things happen with 30 under 30. Um, you know, they look at several different things. They look at production, they look at, you know, volume and, and how many transactions. And they also look at a lot of other things like, what are you, what are you doing, you know, in your communities, you know, what, what, what are you doing, um, to help people, you know, like kind of overall everything. So there, there definitely is a wide variety of people who get the 30 under 30. Um, personally, my first year I did 12 transactions. Um, my second year is when I got the 30 under 30 award, which was, um, I did 23 transactions and about 11 million in, in volume. Um, 
And so, um, and I've been growing ever since each year, you know, this is my fourth year, you know, in, in the business. So last year I did, I did more volume, um, less units, but more volume, which really that's all I care about, you know? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this, and then I built a team this year, January, you know, um, so far we're, we're about 31 million. Um, and we've closed about 39 transactions, almost 40. And then we have several pending. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not, and we started, we started with two or three agents. Now we're up to nine agents, you know, um, uh, I wouldn't say all of them, you know, are, um, as fully immersed as I think I would, I would hope everyone to be right. I think that's what I'm learning as a team leader, you know, like I wish we just had a bunch of, uh, go-getters, you know, but everybody's different, you know? So I find that maybe one third of those people are actually putting in the work and, and energy, um, it takes to be successful. And then there's a couple people that are just doing the bare minimum. And then there's a couple people, you know, I never see. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And so b- building a successful production business yourself and building a team feel like they're just two completely different things. I know for me, like getting successful myself was much easier than building a successful team. Can you talk to us about what the difference is for you? Oh yeah, man. You know, it's, it, there's times where, and I've actually, the last couple of weeks, I just went through the, to the Tom Ferry summit last week. And this was a big topic, you know, going lean or big, but there's no in between, you know? And so I've been having to struggle with that decision. But I think for me being a, a solo agent, um, all you have to do is worry about yourself. You know, you don't have all the expenses. It's all profit. <laughs> like that's it. It's all profit, you know? Um, and you're still building a business, right? You know, I think like for me, I, when I was, I was more solo, I started to get to the point where I hired an assistant and I wanted to start leveraging other people. And right when I kind of started that, instead of continuing to build my own brand, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to shift to trying to build a team brand rather than me, 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 you know? Um, because I like inspiring people. I like helping people. And I, I, I get a lot of significance from that, you know, kind of like one of the basic human needs Tony Robbins talks about, you know, I get, I get that from, from being able to be in front of people and and see people go from like, not knowing um, if they're good enough or not thinking that they can do it and helping them find something inside themselves where they, they can helping them find a reason to keep going, you know, like that just fires me up, dude. And then seeing them like, just follow the plan. Like you give them the recipe and then when they actually follow it and then they see the results, like, dude, there's no better feeling than that to me, you know, there really isn't. And so, um, but that's so being a solo agent, right? No overhead, more profitability. It, it's it's um, less responsibility. I feel like um, mm-hmm. you no, know, you don't have to be as a, the only person you have to be accountable to is yourself, really. Which is why I always had a coach because, again, me being accountable myself would, you know, I'm I'm I'll be back in the box, <laughs> you know. And, um, but building a team has been interesting, you know, yeah. 
Um, I think it's something that if you want to do it the right way, you have to save up and be ready to um, not make money for a long time. And you're, you're lucky if you just break even, you know, if you're doing it the right way. Um, and that's what I've found. Now, I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, are crushing it and they're like, no, we've been profitable since we started. I love that, you know, and that's why I like collaborating with people because I want to hear what they're doing good because there's lots that I need to learn. Um, but what I'm finding, especially right now in this market, is a lot of team leaders and especially the ones I talk to who are doing 600 million, 800 million, a billion dollars in sales with their teams with over two, 300 agents. Majority of them are not profitable right now. And so for me just starting, it's like, whoa, like what if these killers are not profitable? What am what am I like? What's going to make me different? You know? Am I better off going lean or am I better off continuing to try to build something, you know, knowing that these big mega teams are not profitable, you know, like, so, so at least for now, right. Um, when you see the brokerage model too, right. I mean, like a lot of the brokerages end up doing very low split type of models and then they, they grow to hundreds and hundreds of agents and then they launch title insurance lending and then those businesses are profitable but their their brokerage arm is is minimally profitable if profitable at all right and that's and that's where i start to see like the bigger picture right so that's where i ha i've been asking myself lately like okay so i get it maybe not this specific business is profitable but it's opening doors you know and so that's where i start to lean in more and like okay well Everything worth having takes sacrifice, you know? So if I can build a brand and I build a team and it does open doors like that where I can, you know, leverage other businesses that are profitable, right? Whether it's investing, whether it's a, a lending title company, you know, whatever, um, you know, I can see I, that's where I start to, it piques my interest. Like, okay, so maybe there is, um, because the team leaders I do talk to, they do all have things on the side, right? They're doing investment companies. They're doing syndications. They're doing, you know, all these different things. And so um, that's kind of where I'm at. It's just, am I, am I willing to um, put the time, energy, and sacrifice to get there? So I commend these people because they – they all kind of had to do the same same thing for the most part and that sacrifice for several years you know um and so you know that's what i'm learning as a team leader so that's why i encourage anybody that wants to grow a team you know try it you know try it do it but just know it's not glamorous it's not um it's not something that is an overnight um, success and making sure that you are being coached or have a group of people that have built successful teams. That's going to be how you build a successful team. Like if I didn't have like, like Lindsay Stevens, as my coach in, in out of New York and, you know, Justin and Jordan and, 
you know, um, all these guys that I follow and collaborate with, you know, and the fat Kyle whistle, Dan beer, like all these guys that, that, that we all collaborate. Like if I didn't have these people in my network, um, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The relationships we have, man, they can have such an impact on us and the advice that we get from, from people that we're surrounding ourselves with. What's your vision specifically for you and your team next 12 to 18 months? Yeah. So my vision and what I find too is, you know, my vision change, it, it, it changes like every year, you know? <laughs> and so, so recently I've had to, like I mentioned this last couple of weeks, just recently, you know, I've had to, I've had to really step back and, and see like, you know, is my vision now more going lean and leaning more into building um, the investment side you know, going hard and just having kind of like a SWAT team with a couple agents that, you know, we have high standards and that we're just going out crushing it, um, you know, three, four, five agents and, and honing in on my own production, you know, um, and really branding ourselves that way or continuing to stick with the, the, the mega team idea and just, you know, continue to recruit, continue to build continue to hire staff, continue to add more, um, add more expenses, continue, you know what I mean? So, um, as far as the vision goes, I know wherever I end up, the vision is to, to be able to help and inspire as many people as possible. And I feel like having a, 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 a big team puts me in the best position to do that. Um, because I get a lot out of that. And so, you know, um, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at right now. I'm kind of in between, you know, which route I I do want to go. Um, but it's funny, man, I'll say like, you know what, I'm going to go lean and then I'll have three agent interviews all of a sudden, like boom, boom, boom. So it's like, okay, maybe God's telling me like, dude, you need to go this way, you know? Yeah. So I just kind of, you know, that's the thing, man, is like, I know if I were to have my way, I would have shorted myself in my life, right? I would not have the life I do today. So I try to, to let God take the wheel, you know, and, and just kind of sit in the passenger seat and cause it's better in his hands. Um, as long as I feel like I'm, I'm doing his will for others and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, you know, being the best person I can be, you know, and, and I'm really striving to improve myself and grow and share what I learn with others. And I think as long as I do that, you know, I'm going to end up right where I'm supposed to be, you know, with intention, you know, I think I need to have some intention behind it, but, um, that's why I have people around me and they typically help me figure that out you know, um, where I should set my focus. Love it. Darren, man, thanks for coming on, sharing about your life, like going deep into your life in business. Um, and for those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today. I mean, Darren has demonstrated so many things successfully, not just like building a production, building a team, but also the element of like overcoming a life that was in, in, in big challenge. So I'm really thankful you shared that with us. Um, but write down what you guys learned, share it with somebody who knows they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.
Later, guys. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 